Hi, counseling friends. Are you wondering why you should join the Perks Counseling Content Club? Well, first, it's your one-stop shop for all counseling resources. Imagine having everything from interactive tools and templates to complete Tier 1, 2, and 3 curriculum kits at your fingertips. Plus, it offers a fantastic community support system and professional development opportunities tailored just for school counselors. So if you're ready to revolutionize your counseling game, join the club today. Trust me, it's a game changer. To join, just go to www.perkscontentclub.com. You're listening to the Counselor Chat Podcast, a show for school counselors looking for easy to implement strategies, how-to tips, collaboration, and a little spark of joy. I'm Carol Miller, your host. I'm a full-time school counselor and the face behind Counseling Essentials. I'm all about creating simplified systems, data-driven practices, and using creative approaches to engage students. If you're looking for a little inspiration to help you make a big impact on student growth and success, you're in the right place because we're better together. Ready to chat? Let's dive in. Hello, counselors, and welcome back to Counselor Chat. I am so excited that you guys are here with me today. We have a special guest on the podcast. Her name is Indra Owens. And if you don't know Indra, I hope by the end of this little interview that you feel like she is your bestie because I will tell you, she is so sweet. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about Indra. Indra is a school counselor in Atlantic City, New Jersey. She was the 2020 New Jersey School Counselor of the Year, and she's a curator of the Trust Your Journey Project. So, Indra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Carol. I am so excited. I can't wait for us to truly connect. Yeah, it'll be great. So, I am really excited to talk with you today. Um you know, I have been kind of like I listened to some other podcasts that you were on, and I just fell in love with the stories that you were telling. And I felt like we were like kindred spirits. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, but you know, uh, as counselors, we have a billion stories. Oh, I know. I, yeah, we're like me. the best storytellers. They don't know that that's one of our superpowers. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> is. Oh, the things I could tell you. Okay. <laughs> But anyway, why don't you start by like kind of introducing yourself and tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do and anything else that you want to share with them? Okay. Um, first, I am excited about being on your show. I think that, you know, when counselors connect, it's just an amazing way for us to have some real um, authentic conversations about our profession that I believe is misunderstood and sometimes and then just the, the camaraderie between counselors, because I don't think a lot of times our a field has the opportunity to do a lot of horizontal or vert- vertical articulation. So I just thank you again for just the dialogue that we're going to have today before we even have it, because I already feel the energy. So um, I've been a school counselor now for quite some time, more than uh, a decade, I would say. Um, I've been in education since like 2008 or nine. I've been in higher ed. I've been in elementary. I've been at the high school level. So um, again, you know, counselors, we oftentimes are those unicorns that we we cover um, a plethora of, you know, grade levels. We see a lot of students with different learning um, abilities and disabilities. We work with all types of diverse families with diverse backgrounds. And um, 
I feel really good about being a school counselor, although the profession itself can be exhausting in today's um, post-COVID climate. I am the curator of the Trust Your Journey Project. The Trust Your Journey Project actually was inspired um, through uh, or in the midst of the pandemic, COVID, and my daughter, she's 12 now, She actually, her name is Journey, so it was really inspired by us really up in the ante on using some of our strategies at home um, just to continue to keep our own resilient tanks full. Because, you know, being quarantined and me being a parent and a professional and her being a student and us really navigating through what COVID looked like in our home. As counselors, I know a lot of us were kind of mystified. Like, you know, what am I, how am I supposed to support these students and support these families at home from my laptop? Like, how am I supposed to do that? And so I thought that I would be remiss in not truly serving um, the students and the families in the Atlantic City area if I didn't share some of the same strategies that I was using with my daughter at home because I believe that it was a universal struggle and we all had to really kind of navigate through um, what the new normal had become at that time. And so the Trust Your Journey Project is really focused on redefining mental health and mindfulness, uh, awareness, advocacy, support, in urban communities and building resilient families. And I always said I wanted to start with my own community first. And, um, you know, all the strategies too, because I think a lot of times our parents don't necessarily want to be negligent. I just want to believe that they don't have the right equipment. They don't have the right tools. And so for that, uh, for that matter, I said, Journey, you know what? Uh, we're going to put all of this in a book. <laughs> and we're going to make sure that people understand you know, mommies just like me, <laughs> children just like you, families just like ours, um, understand that a lot of these strategies are easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And so um, from that, tr the Trust Your Journey Project was like born and I've been kind of rocking and rolling ever since. And that was like, you know, maybe the latter part of 2018. That is awesome. So how much time are you still devoting to it? Sounds like quite a bit. Oh, man. Every single day. Every single day, because you know what, Carol, the real deal is, is that um, as mental health professionals or educators, we should be whatever we preach should be a lifestyle. Right. It just makes it easier to preach. <laughs> and so every single day, uh, Journey and I are just doing different things to keep our keep our resilient things full and keep our relationship thriving. Because, I mean, you and I were just talking before we even started, you know, you have three children of your own and parenthood did not come with a manual. No, it did not. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, even as we continue to develop and discover new ways um, where we're not kind of going at each other's throats and, and keeping our home a safe space, um, I'm sharing. So, yeah, almost every single day is dedicated to the Treasure Journey Project. Well, that is incredible. And I'm sure that your community just appreciates you and, and loves you for all the work that you are putting in. What are some, as we're talking about, like mindfulness and strategies, what kind of advice would you give like a counselor to incorporate some of these strategies into their practice to, to help kids to maybe help redefine mental health and mindfulness awareness? I think my biggest piece of advice for school counselors would be, I oftentimes really, really find myself in the realm of always teaching and really modeling for the students who I serve how to positively reframe things. I don't necessarily know if that's a skill that's really being taught at home or utilized at home. And I say that I don't necessarily think that it's really being utilized at home because, of course, we know the attitudes, we know the mindsets of our children. And our children often come in times already feeling very defeated with a really negative 
uh, in negative and narrow mindset or perspective or view on things. And most of that kind of comes with adolescence. But the other part of it just really comes from, you know, learned behavior. So it's kind of like if I was always a complainer around my house, Journey would be a complainer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, if I always, you know, looked at the cup as half uh, empty versus half full, Journey would also look at her cup as half empty versus half full. And so when I, my students come into the office and whether it's a student conflict or whether it's something at home, whether it's something about the teacher-student relationship, whether it's something that happened in the cafeteria, I always say to them, especially because I want them to know that they still have a voice. So whatever you're feeling is real, but like, let's just reframe it. And I'm like, what, Miss Owens? And I'm, I'm trying to tell you, by the time we reframe it, like we're laughing, I didn't just beat them in like two hands of Uno. It's, it's like magic. Yeah, I think I agree with yeah. you. Re- that whole reframing thing is so important. I mean, it absolutely is. And I mean, and the, and the thing too is, is that I hope that the strategies that I s- share with students throughout the day, that it starts to become a part of their um, mental health literacy. Like they really start using the language so then they can go home and use it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So it carries through. Yeah. So then it's, transform- it's transformational. How do you teach a kid to really reframe their thoughts? I just really, the, the easiest way to do it is, is when they come in with an issue, after I allow mm-hmm. them to vent, because I do believe that they, they they should feel safe in a space that, you know, we as adults aren't really kind of shooting down how they feel. I think that we should always really validate how they feel and then respectfully redirect them in the feelings, especially if they don't really kind of, if they don't, if, if the feelings don't have any source of empowerment, I always respectfully redirect. Because at the end of the day, I just always want the students to feel different leaving my office than however they came in. And a lot of time they come in feel feeling disempowered or defeated. And so the easiest way to really teach or train a student to positively reframe things is to let them know. And I never really call them negative feelings either. I say we have good moments and not so good moments. And that's that's life. Like, so, you know, if you're feeling that way now at 12, you could possibly still in a different situation feel that way at 21. <laughs> like mm-hmm. these these feelings, this whole like, you know, emotional barometer thing, you know, goes with us until the day we die. And so um, I say, you know, we have times where we feel good and times that we don't feel so good or not so good. And that's OK. But let's reframe it. So for for um, example, let's say what was like one of the last situations we had? OK, so we had a, a boy group in third grade that they were at each other's throats for most of the year, honestly. And I mean, we had the parent-teacher conference. We had tons of group mediations with the boys. Um, You know, we had group mediations with parents. So everybody just was on the same page. We had groups with the parents and the boys in the room at the same time. And I think that we came to an agreement because, you know, the parents would get upset because, you know, you know, you have one uh, student coming home saying this, another student coming home saying that. And we had to really explain to the parents that, you know, moms, dads, we have a frenemy type of cohort going on here. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you may say, think that, you know, the school isn't responding to, oh, well, you know, so-and-so came home and said this one did this to him and they had a fight on the playground or he took his food off his plate in the cafeteria. But, you know, as you know, we spent a lot of time with them as school personnel. And so this core group in the third grade of boys oftentimes were friends, 
But you know those, Carol, you know those frenemy relationships. Oh, very well. <laughs> <laughs> and so to have the boys really start to manage their own frenemy or friendship, what we had them do is, is we had them ask themselves before the day even started, while they were having morning, um, morning meeting, while they were having breakfast, you know, how are you feeling today from one to five? Now, if they were maybe a little older, we'd do one to 10. But because they were still in the third grade, we said one to five, five meaning I feel amazing today. We can we can horseplay. We can joke with each other. You know, we can do all of that. Or one is, yeah, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night or, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. And once we had the boys being more actively involved in managing how they all felt in their own friendship group, they didn't have any more issues, really. Or it really it subsided. The, the, the issues weren't as severe. The parents kind of understood the dynamic of the relationship. And it, it really helped everybody that was involved. But that's a reframe. Yeah, yeah you were, teach, I think, teaching true empathy. Yeah. Like understanding, like, how are they feeling? You know, if you're coming yeah. in with a one and you're coming in with a five, well, you can't be joking with them. Okay. Like, give, give them his space. Okay, yeah. girl. This is this is old, this is old-fashioned character education. We just, you know, our industry now has called it, you know, we've framed it into like a SEL framework. But it don't matter as long as it all works and we use it. Yep. Oh, very good. I think that's so important for our our younger counselors, are the ones that are just beginning that are going to incorporate the whole front of me thing because let's face it we do yes. and you know i can remember as a first year counselor not knowing what i was going to do cuz this is the yeah. stuff they don't teach you in yeah. school right. they yeah. just say it have out. at it mm-hmm. <laughs> have at it <laughs> yep they just expected us to figure it out you absolutely right you know what and that's a yeah. shame too we definitely i think need more training on how to deal with the the everyday issues mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes we're so involved in the theories and maybe some of the reasons why that we forget to really talk about the what do you do in this situation? Yeah. And, you know, I think that the best part about the whole Trust Your Journey project is, is that I've tried to uh, authentically um, infuse like theory and practice because I think that, you know, between the folks that are like us who are seasoned um, educators and counselors and um, those who are like budding, still in grad school, they they really don't have the practice. So that's what they're missing. So you're right. They don't have the practice. They don't have the experience. They don't have the stories. And so, you know, when you get a framework um, that has, and, you know, the Trust Your Journey project does have a curriculum and a framework that I'm working on trying to get trademarked, but, um, and really trying to infuse and get into, and get into you know, schools and communities for and all type of stakeholders who work with children and families, because I believe that we need a framework that makes sense and that doesn't, you know, make everybody feel like, um, is a, am I, is, am I like, you know, dumb? Like, you know, is a fifth grader smarter than me? Like we need frameworks and we need certain curriculum that we can actually understand and implement, <laughs> you know? And so I hope that, you know, theory and practice really come together. Like you said, um, where it's not just theory, where it's not a bunch of like book stuff and we really get more into practice so we can really understand how to really implement and be, um, influential. Like our kids need it, especially mm-hmm. after COVID. Our kids need it. Our families need it. That that's so true. You know, it's I almost hate to admit this, but I am because you know I believe in being authentic and yeah, and please real. do it. Transparency works. But you know, right after COVID, I was like in my own little bubble. 
And Can I just wasn't wanted alone? to listen. I was you and I both were in a bubble, just our own. <laughs> yeah. other and I just wanted to like go back to the way things were. And mm-hmm. I think I had that framework in my mind that nope, it's just gonna go back to the way it was. This is the way it is. Okay, mm-hmm. things were good, things are gonna be good. And you know, I do have all these Facebook groups and I have I hear stories from counselors like all over the world all the time and they're struggling. And I have to admit my kids in school were struggling too, but mm-hmm. sometimes I was still wearing those blinders like, Nope, it's going to be good. Everything is fine. We're going back <laughs> to the way it was that I had to do some really some soul searching to say, Nope, we got to really admit that things are different. Things have changed. Yeah. We might need a new way to do things. Yeah. I agree. And you know what? And I think that exactly what you just said, that light bulb uh, went off for a lot of us at, a, at you know different times throughout that whole phase, even now in this post-COVID climate. Um, mm-hmm. The sadder part is, is that that light, bulb, that light bulb didn't go off for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Some people are still in that space where it's like they're still expecting us to go back to normal where we are already we've already gotten into a new normal. Mm-hmm. Like normalcy is different. It is different. Yeah. So that light bulb went off for different people at different times. And hopefully the people who haven't really kind of had that that aha moment yet, they they have it. You know, I will say, and I've said this on the podcast before a couple of times, you know, um, I was listening to a speaker one time and he was saying, and this was definitely post-COVID, you know, that kids are not different these days. Our society is different. Right? Mm-hmm. So when everybody's complaining about how different the kids are, how different the kids are, you know, and I just see that is so true. You know, I've been in education for more than 30 years now and mm-hmm. kids really aren't different. They're coming in with their friendship issues and their family problems and the, whatever other problem under the sun. It's really, it's not the kids that are different. It really is our society that is different. I agree. I agree. Listen, people ask me all the time now, you know, in my district, I've been transferred uh, quite a lot. Um, and I've reframed that, you know, because people, when they try to come to me, <clears throat> excuse me, I have post uh, Beyonce horse voice from <laughs> concert last night. But, you know, when people come to me um, trying to negatively define that, uh, I reframe that. I say I, I say, I am Beyonce. I'm taking a district tour. It's a mm-hmm. it's a pleasure. It's an honor. And I'm not going to say it's not uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, then you know, you have to, you know, reacclimate yourself to a new staff and new students and new families. But the honor in that is, is that I can say that I've almost served almost every single student on this island and their families. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be able to touch and, 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 and create a safe space for as many students and families as I can. That's really what we do. You know, now, is there comfort in, you know, me and co- committed to one building and one community for 17 years? Absolutely. Or I can say, oh, man, I'm Beyonce. I'm taking a district tour and I've been here and I've been there and I've been, and I've been to this school. But what I will say in that, just to piggyback on what you said, is that every all the needs are the same. <laughs> kids are kids. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is definitely true. Yeah. And- I will I will tell you right now, Indra, I am doing the Beyonce tour because <laughs> myself because I spent 20 years in one district. And then after 20 years, now I'm hopping around. So, yeah. I, so I've been in three schools, you know, in the last six years. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. It it does. It gives you a chance to see 
other perspectives and to, Mm -hmm. I think everywhere I go is like, all right, now I have another experience to draw from. I have another way to make things even better. Yep. Yeah. And again, like the kids are the same. You, we, we, we really adjust, adjust to the school culture and the adults we work with, our colleagues, not the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give maybe a new counselor some advice, what advice would you give them? Don't hang in a teacher's lounge. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, I, because for one thing, what hasn't worked for me, Again, because people don't quite understand our role, it's like we're on the teacher scale. So they almost kind of look at us like a peer, but then they always see us hanging with administration. So we're like pseudo administrators because we're a vital part of the administrative team. Right. Um, and so there isn't really any boundary. And so, you know, the teacher's lounge is like that space where, you know, our teachers vent. But you know, a lot of times, you know, those conversations aren't necessarily uh, positive, right? And, but if we are like the neutralizers of the building, of the school, you know, as school counselors, if we're like the neutralizers of the building, we're the, we're the, the people who are looked at as uh, being responsible for the, the culture and the climate, the social and emotional climate of the school. We're like the gatekeepers. Um, the teacher's lounge isn't really the best place for us to be. Yeah. Unless unless you can incorporate a, we're not talking about kid policy while you're in there. Exactly. But that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, the culture of the, look, universally, the culture of the teachers, the teachers uh, lounge is just the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go in there and you think like, yo, like this is your break room. Like, why are you still talking about the kids? Why are you talking about work? Take a break from it. Unplug from it. Now, that would be the the healthier thing to do, but they don't. And so instead of trying to change that culture, because if that's the safe space that the teachers need at the time, maybe they do that because they don't want to take it home. But I'm pretty sure most teachers still take it home. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, OK, yeah. So if I was a if I had to give any new teacher, uh, any new school counselor a piece of advice, I would say, you know, don't hang in a teacher's lounge. Like most of the staff at every single school um, that I have worked at and had the pleasure of working at. Um, if they caught me in a teacher's lounge, it was because in most of our buildings, that's where the mailboxes are. Uh-huh. And two, when I go into the teacher's lounge, you know, as school counselors, we deserve a break too, which we rarely get. And see, teachers don't see that. I've gone days without sometimes even going to the bathroom or taking, <laughs> a, taking a certified lunch break. And I know you can agree. So it's like, as soon as we insert ourselves in the teacher's lounge, thinking that we're getting a break is really not that at all. So, yeah, uh, don't, don't hang in the teacher's mail, y'all. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because the one district that I worked at, the one for 20 years, they actually didn't have a teacher's lounge. Wow. So, so there was no place for the teachers to go. So they would just go to other teachers' classrooms, which, you know, worked fine because if they wanted to complain then, well, I wasn't there with them. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I had this really beautiful office space and I had my office and then we had like a suite room with this huge table. So I would get teachers who would come down to eat lunch every once in a while. And um, it was they just knew it was an open space. It was open to if there was kids eating lunch, the kids could come down and eat lunch. Teachers wanted to join. The teachers could join in. So it was a completely different atmosphere. Nice. Now, did but, you intentionally create that shared space or is that what it kind of turned into because you think the space you created, like just in your space? Um, It was definitely my philosophy that it was going to be an open space. Nice. I think it just 
people just felt good there. You mm-hmm. know, I think that's important. You have to create a space that people just feel welcome. Yeah, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having a, I would, yeah, keep out of the teacher's room um, and have a welcome space. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think can help a counselor find success? That's a tricky question, isn't it? That is. That is. I just made that up too. <laughs> oh, okay. I like it. Um, I would say being invested in their own professional development. So not connecting to a district or, you know, an organization and being hopeful that they are going to plant you in the right direction as professional development as it's concerned with your own growth, your own personal and professional philosophy. Um, I think that, you know, as new counselors, they have to be committed to always wanting to learn and grow. And I would say the only, the, the one other thing is, is treat, you got to treat the students like they were your own, even if you don't have any. Mm-hmm. You have to treat these students how you would want somebody to treat your own kids. Like we have to live and operate personally and professional by the golden rule. And I say that to our students all the time, because if they don't see us actually living that and modeling that, we're not going to be able to really even like, you know, preach kindness and how to treat others in empathy. Like you said, uh, you know, when we have those uh, student conflict mediations. Right. So we got to we got to get into the habit of really treating these kids. I mean, really like and that's just really talking about cultural relevance, too. Mm-hmm. And so we got to be culturally relevant. Um we have to be sympathetic and empathetic. We have to be authentic, like you and I were just talking about, just being on the authenticity and the transparency. But I would say two things. Uh, new counselors, please uh, invest in your own professional development and really be um, intentional about creating active, uh, caring, authentic relationships with these kids, treating these kids how you would want somebody to treat your own. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, that that just made me think too, to just add one little piece to that is, you know, sometimes as counselors, we mess up or maybe we, we think we're saying the right thing and we don't, mm-hmm. or, you know, we want to give advice and we give it when we probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have to be willing to say, I'm sorry. Absolutely. To our kids. And I have met some individuals, some teachers or whoever who do not believe in ever apologizing to a child. And I think that is so important to to model that, you know, and that goes along with, yeah, that goes along with what you just said that you have to treat them like your own kid. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I mean, I might not be saying it too much around here because I'm trying to be more intentional about the way that I move, but if journey deserves a sorry, she's getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a, as a parent, I'm saying sorry to journey. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I do to my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I want to kill them. <laughs> okay. Now that's, you know, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, there are times that I've messed up and I'm like, oh, I got to I got to fix this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, bud, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry goes a long way. It does. You know, one other thing that I want to just say too about something that you said early in our conversation about, you know, um, when you were talking about the Trusting My Journey project and how you said, you know, there's two ways of looking at things. Mm -hmm. You know, you could see the glass is half full or you could see the glass is half half empty. Mm -hmm. Well, 
then you also have, so, you know, you have the optimist who sees it as half full and you have the pessimist who sees it as half empty, but then you also have the giver mm-hmm. and the giver is the one who sees that glass of water and then turns around and says, you look thirsty. Would you like to have a drink? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think not only do we have to be optimistic, but we also have to be the giver. And really, Indra, it sounds like you are such a giver. Oh, thank you so much. But you know what? And you know what? And I would say that, I mean, even in the Trust Your Journey project, because, you know, we were really big on resilience, too. And so because we are givers, um, if I had to, because I know that you are definitely like just cultivating so many good strategies for new counselors. um, If I had to even give them another tip. You know, we got to make sure that because we are givers, intrinsically, most of us, we're in this profession profession because we are givers, that we can't, since, look, since we're using the cup in the water, we can't mm-hmm. give from an empty cup either. <laughs> so that's why we got to keep our resilient tanks full. We got to keep our cups full. And so the self-care and the mindfulness and the mental health, it's like, again, we have to practice what we preach because we're not going to be effective to our, ourselves, to our families, to the students we serve, to their families, to the administrators we support, to all the colleagues we support, to the community su- we support if we are trying to give from an empty cup, right? That That is right. Yeah. You know? So we got to keep our, we got to keep our cups full. And that's not, e- that's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying that it's, it's urgent. <laughs> we have to keep our cups full. Yeah, it's urgent. It it is also for our new counselors. It is also possible. You yeah. might not feel that way in your first year or two or five, but it is possible. Yep, I would agree mm-hmm. with that too. Yeah. Oh, so this has been just beautiful. Just beautiful. It has. I'm looking at the recording. I'm like, I can't even believe that we all we've already uh, been chatting for almost 45 minutes. We're in the world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. All right. So before you leave, I have another couple questions for you. Okay. Would you rather mm, be, I love would you rather be a dolphin or an eagle? And why? Hmm. I love the water. Like I already feel like I'm a mermaid, but I think that I would probably want to be an eagle. Yeah, because you know what, the eagles. I had a I had a mentor um, and a professor at Temple University. His name was um, Dr. Reverend James, and he did a um, like a, a like a Black culture, Black families studies type of class. And he would always say to us, "Don't be a chicken, be an eagle." Hmm. So I think that I would want to be an eagle. Okay. Yeah, okay. they're amazing. I would like to fly high and be like this this mystical creature that you know nobody really wants to reach extinction like that kind of thing like you know <laughs> like fly high look low like yeah i would definitely want to be an eagle all right awesome all right and are there any tv shows that you are currently binging uh my daughter actually had me uh we we were binging abbott elementary which is mm-hmm. which is amazing actually like and for a couple of years now folks were saying uh, Indra, like the, the the main character who is a teacher, a, a new teacher who kind of like just wants to like save the world and urban education. Um, the the cast and the plot line itself is based on, I think, the educational system in Philadelphia, which we know isn't um, 
always in the best place. Like, you know, but urban education is struggling mm-hmm. anyway when we talk about funding and resources and all that kind of stuff. So um, we started watching Abbott Elementary and it is hilarious. Now, my daughter is already, I think, probably finished it. I think it was three seasons. Um, I'm not really a TV person. <laughs> I'm like, put on a Disney movie for me and like, like <laughs> take a nap. I'm like that girl, right? I'm like, the movies, uh, just for the snacks. But, um, <laughs> but, um, I would say we, we were, we were, we were, uh, intentionally watching Abbott Elementary. And, um, I think that, uh, it was funny, like, you know, the satire sometimes is sad because, you know, education is real for us, especially as educators. And so, you know, we don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I see it two different ways. We could either kind of, you know, find some humor in some of our everyday experiences. Uh, and maybe that can be the catalyst for change. I don't necessarily always like to make light of um, extreme circumstances, though, especially when it comes to kids. So I mm-hmm. felt a little too, like I felt like two different ways about Abbott Elementary. But but I mean, overall, it's, a, it's an amazing show, amazing cast and an amazing plot. But um, I would say check it out though. Check out a few of the uh, episodes. You're gonna. It's hilarious. If you want to laugh, okay. it's hilarious. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. It's on my watch list, but I haven't. I haven't made it to that one yet. Yeah, so. like I, and I only we only really started because so many people. I mean, we'd be out Target here, there, and she'd be with me, and she'd hear people say like, "Yeah, you know, you remind me of," and I'd be like, "Who?" And when they would say it, I'm like, you know, she's, but you know, Journey's laughing inside because she's knowing, mm-hmm. I don't know the actors by name and she's not, I don't even watch anything. So <laughs> she's then later, like in the car on the way home, like, mom, let me Google who they just said that you remind them of so you can have some context. I'm like, hey, Journey, thank you. <laughs> Support me. <laughs> so, yeah, I was at Abbott Elementary. Check that out. Okay. I will. So, oh, well, this has been great. I yeah. have thoroughly enjoyed this and so thank you so much for for being a guest and um yeah i can't wait till this goes live and everyone can hear from you yeah i'm excited too thank you for having me and i mean uh, even in regards to you know your mission and to continue to just cultivate a safe space for counselors and and just creating um like just the professional development and the questions that a lot of times they may not not may not necessarily have anyone to ask so thank you for this platform like yeah Carol, you continue to trust your journey too. This is amazing. <laughs> amazing work. Amazing work. Uh, thanks. I might have you uh, back next year and maybe I'll have you join our summer counselor conference. Please, I'm here for you. Just tell yeah. me. You know, I'm going to inbox away. I know. Well, I got your <laughs> number now. <laughs> yes, we are besties for real. Best, yes, keep me in a loop. Keep me connected. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, I hope you have a fantastic week. Until we chat again, see you later. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Counselor Chat. All of the links I talked about can be found in the show notes and at counselingessentials.org forward slash podcast. Be sure to hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it. Want to connect? Send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram at Counseling Essentials. Until next time, can't wait till we chat. Bye for now.